If you have your Bibles, join me in Mark chapter 6, or your devices, join me in Mark chapter 6, verse 2. We're going to continue our series that we're calling Honey in the Rock. And this is from Deuteronomy, where it says, in the rocks, in the clefts of the rock, in the hard places, I will put, you will suck honey uh, in that rot of that rock. And the scripture says in Proverbs 24 that wisdom is like honey. And it's just like God to hide his wisdom in the hard things in life. And we need God's wisdom for three things. Trials we don't understand. You ever been to going through something, you just don't understand it? We need his wisdom to make sense of it. We also need God's wisdom for sudden decisions that come out of nowhere that are time sensitive. I need the wisdom of God. But also I need the wisdom of God to discern between two equally good things. Not just what's good, but what is better, best for me. I need his wisdom. And God, when we find ourselves in these situations, he will have wisdom hidden for us that we can draw from. I heard recently a story of um, Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft, one of the founders of Microsoft. He was known for being consistently absent-minded because he was had a, brilliant, but he was so focused on creating and thinking about uh, what he was creating there at Microsoft. They would often forget about to eat and the normal things of life. Where's the keys? Where's the wallet? He would sometimes even run out of gas just because he wouldn't pay attention to the gauges. Um, they said he removed his radio from his car because he didn't want the temptation to be listening to music or listening to radio. He wanted to think about what he was creating. One evening, he left the office late, and he is driving there along the roadway and some miles away from Microsoft headquarters when he ran out of gas again. But he knew a few miles up the road there was a hotel there on the side of the road that he could spend the night in, And true story, when he walks into the hotel and asks for a room, the lady says, I need some ID, and he feels for his wallet, but he he left his wallet back at headquarters. And he says to her, I'm Bill Gates, the founder of Microsoft here. I promise you I can afford a room here. And she said, yeah, everybody that comes through here is Bill Gates, okay? (laughs) Come on, I love this lady already. She says to him, if there's no ID, there's no room for you. So Bill Gates has to walk back to his car and he spends the night in his car alongside of the road until the morning when people are heading back to Microsoft, somebody could give him a ride. And at that time, he wasn't quite yet the richest person in the world, one of the richest, but he was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And I just thought about the irony of this. Here's somebody who had a bank account filled with enormous riches. Watch this but he lacked the ability to access it. And because he lacked the ability to access it, he had to live for one day in a a poverty, in 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 a place of lack on the side of the road. And I think that's kind of a picture for many Christians because the scripture says that God is a God of abundance. Aren't you grateful for that? That he has no lack Uh, in him, that he is full of joy, that he's filled with peace, he's filled with kindness, he's filled with love, he's filled with power. And the scripture even says that he's filled with wisdom. The Bible says in Romans that his wisdom is unsearchable. You cannot find the depths of it. No matter how deep you go, you cannot find the end of God's wisdom. 
But here's the beautiful thing. Uh, he has designed prayer as the pathway to access his riches and bring them from heaven into my life. In fact, in James 1, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God for it, and he will give it to you without limit because he has it without limit. And I just love this because the, what, if we will pray, we will gain access to the riches of God. So what I want to do in the next few moments is I want to talk to you about wisdom as we build layer upon layer upon layer of wisdom. Wisdom, what we said already, is a perspective. Wisdom is a perspective. It is living life from God's viewpoint. That's what wisdom is. Wisdom does the hard work of discovering what God thinks about the situation. Nobody has a viewpoint like God. The scripture says in Job 28 that, that God can see the ends of the earth and the heavens all at the same time, the expanse of them. He sees them all. No one has the, the picture that God has. And it's though we live low, we learn to think high. The scripture says that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. When you read God's words, he elevates your level of thinking. You begin to see life from God's perspective. You begin to get the mind of God. That's wisdom. But wisdom's more than a perspective. Wisdom is this. Wisdom is a principle to be applied. We, we said last week that in Proverbs, it says these are the precepts, the principles, the laws that will govern your life, that will cause you to rule and to reign. And we says God's principles are true for all time, all places, and all peoples. It doesn't matter what nation, what culture. It doesn't matter your education. When these principles are applied, they will lead to the blessings of God. They will protect you and they will direct you. We talked about them being the two guardrails that God gives you. So therefore, wisdom is this. It is the capacity to discover to learn the mind of God, and then to gather the principles that bring that perspective from the word into reality. That's wisdom. It's marrying perspective and principle together. Now, here's the next layer of wisdom. It keeps growing and building upon one another, is that wisdom unleashes the power of God. That's it. Wisdom, if you're taking notes, it unleashes on your life the power of God. What do you mean by that? Almost, uh, not every time, but more often than not, old and new, when you see the word wisdom appear, it is often followed by the word might or a miracle that happens as a result of the wisdom. This is what's true in Jesus's in Mark 6, 2. We'll put this on the screen here. Mark chapter 6, verse 2. It says, the next Sabbath, he, meaning Jesus, began teaching in the synagogue. Watch this. And many who heard him were amazed. Now, look what they said. They asked, they're talking to one another, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Leave that on the screen there. See, they correlated wisdom and power to perform miracles. They married them together. And nothing in your life will interrelate the divine attributes and characteristics of God more than wisdom. Wisdom. It unleashes the power of God on your life. Why? 
Oh, man, I could talk about wisdom for days, but let me just say this. The reason wisdom unleashes the power of God on our lives is very simple. It's one word, alignment. Wisdom always brings order and alignment to our lives. That's why in Proverbs 1, it says, the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. That's an alignment word. It says, the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. I must see that he is God and I am not. Come on, somebody. Until I get that right, I won't get life right. The beginning of biblical godly wisdom is I must begin to see God for who he is, and then I must fear him. That means I must learn how to appropriately honor him, respect him, and learn how to relate to him because his revelation will demand a response from me. In some translations, they actually call wisdom the revelation knowledge. As God reveals himself to me, it demands a response. I begin to get into alignment with what I see in him. And I I adjust this. Revelation demands response. How do I know this? This is what you do when 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 you see the police officer. And you're cruising down, listening to the music. You're cruising down Windsor. You're cruising down Race Street. You're, you know, you're putting on the makeup. You're eating the breakfast. You're doing everything you do. Come on. The kids are late for school. Hello, we got to get there on time. Just increase the speed a little bit. Let you see the 5-0, the popo, the woo, right there. And you have a revelation. There they are. Woo, hey, hey. Now, what do you do? Almost instinctively, you don't even realize it. What do you do? Woo, you take that foot off the gas, tap that little brake a little bit, or you should do that and slow a little bit down, right? Come on, somebody. The revelation caused a response in your life. That's what it does. It caused, I better get back into alignment here. Have you ever went to the gas station and you pull in and you weren't paying attention, but you pull in, you get out, you start to pay for the pump only to realize there's a sign over the gas handle that says, out of order. That's the worst on a cold day, isn't it? And that means that something in the alignment of that mechanic, that mechanism is off. And the gas that you need is not able to flow to the car. It's out of order. There's a flow that's not able to happen. Well, what wisdom does, anything that's out of order, it brings into order. And it allows all of God's divine attributes to flow into you and through you. Wisdom unleashes the power of God on your life. Let me, if I may... Let me talk to you from Proverbs 21. We'll begin in verse 16. Some powerful ways that wisdom operates in your life. And then I'll end with a biblical example. But first, Proverbs 21, 16 is a powerful verse. We'll go ahead and put this on the screen as well. But it talks about just a great insight on wisdom. It says, when you forsake the ways of wisdom you will wander into the realm of dark spirits. Mm. When you forsake, that's an intentional decision, the ways, the paths. Some translations say the doctrine of wisdom. Wisdom is a well-worn path for you to follow. It's a clear marked path that God gives you in Scripture. When you get off of those ways, one of the ways that you know it is you will begin to wander. That word wander there means you drift. 
You just kind of float through life. You lack purpose is what one translation says. You, you won't have purpose. You won't have destiny. And one translation says, you will, you will be aimless. You won't have any target that you're shooting for. You, you will lack the inner ability to set a direct course for your life. Now, I, I, I read recently a, a story about in early development of the nation of China, early Chinese dynasties, somewhere, as best they can tell, in the middle, in the rural part of China, what they, dis- they discovered is that uh, people were placing shards of metal on leaves. And what they would do is they would spin those things around almost as a game. They would put multiple shards of metal on the leaves and spin them all around. But all of them instinctively at some point would stop, turn in a, all in the same direction, and on the water they would begin to float in a certain direction. And they didn't know that, but that was the beginnings of a compass. And it, what was happening was the magnetic pull of the earth was pulling the, that metal on that leaf in a certain direction. They, they, they say that was the earliest discovery in the beginnings of the navigational tool of a compass. Now, I'm going to ask for crowd participation. I don't always do this, but I need your help today. Can you help me? Come on, how many want to help the preacher out today? Okay, there you go. I'm going to ask you to trust me. Now, I want everybody to... So I'm going to take like 20, 30 seconds. I want you to stand up. Come on, stand up. All right, now, trust me. Close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Ooh, this is going to be tough. Some of you are like, I don't know what's happening. I want you to take your right hand, and I want you to put your finger, your pointer finger, straight up in the air, eyes closed, all as high as you can get your right hand in the air, and I'm going to ask you a question. In about five seconds, I'm going to ask you to point into the direction of north, okay? All right, now hold up. On a count of three here, point to north, but don't open your eyes. Ready? One, two, three, point to north, okay? Point to north. Now, what I want you to do now, I want you to open your eyes and keep your fingers pointed, okay? Open your eyes and look around this room. There's like 10 different Norths up in this room right now. Come on. You all, turn to your neighbor and say, you are messed up. Now, now watch this. Watch this right here. Watch this. Watch this. If you want to know what direction North is, North is straight this way right here. So if you were pointing that way. Come on, you were good. All right, give yourselves a hand and sit down. Woo! Hey, oh, listen. I don't care how educated you are, man. Come on, somebody. We can't even find north in this room. That's it. You know, listen, that really speaks to our culture a lot right now, doesn't it? is that everybody can have their own opinion on which way is north. But if you really want to find north, guess what you got to do? You got to have something that's objective that can point you in the right direction. That's the truth. And what I love about Proverbs, it says that you need to take these precepts and eat them. In other words, you need to take them and, and, and hang them around your neck. It says take them and put them in your heart. You need to take something that's objective and and, and a compass and put it on the inside of you. That's called the word of God. And when you do that, guess what it does? It helps you stay on God's path. And in any situation, you can find north. You can find a principle that helps set you in the right directions on the paths of the Lord.
Because if you don't, here's what the scripture says, you will wander into the realm of dark spirits. Some translations say into the realm of devils or to the dead. You will come as you get off the paths of wisdom and the further you get under the influence of demonic activity. That's the truth. To get off the path is to invite demonic entities to speak to you and to lead your life. I like that it's quiet in here right now. But that's the truth. That's why we need an inner compass, the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit highlights to you and helps you navigate the complexities, the morality of life. Wisdom is powerful. Here's another thought. And this is the same chapter 26, I think, verse 20. Here is what it says here. It says, In wisdom's house you'll find delightful treasures and the oil of the Holy Spirit. Let's leave that on the screen. In wisdom's house. You could say it like this. In the house that wisdom builds, you will find there the Holy Spirit. Whatever is built with the principles of wisdom, the Holy Spirit will bless. And we've talked earlier, and even last year, that there are four levels to God's house that he uses. There's the house of a person. You house the presence of God as a person. There's the house of a family, the house of Abraham, the house of Isaac in the scriptures. A house can be a family. A house can be a church, the house of God. You also have the house of a nation, the house of Israel in the scriptures. There's four levels to God's house. God's wisdom will impact every one of those levels. And when you build your life, you build your marriage, you build your family, you build the church, you build a nation on the principles of God's word, you can expect that the Holy Spirit will bless that, that his activity will be attracted to that, his oil will begin to flow all over that. That's the power of wisdom because the Holy Spirit begins to operate in that house It'll work in your business. It'll work in your classroom. It'll work in your education. If you'll build it on the principles of wisdom, the Holy Spirit will operate there and bless that. How many of you would say to me, I want the Holy Spirit to be in my house? Come on, would you say that? That's it. That's it. We'll then apply the principles of God's wisdom. And here's the third thing. I'm setting this up for a story because all of this is building towards an example in the Bible. Proverbs 21, moving just a few verses down. Let's put this verse on the screen, verse 22. This is what wisdom will do. It will transform you. It says here, a warrior filled with wisdom. You make Pastor Ricky, I'm not a warrior. Proverbs 24 says, wisdom can transform any person into a warrior can transform any person into a warrior. That means that it can move you from a defensive mindset to an offensive mindset. You're not reacting to what the enemy's doing. You're responding and you're going on the offense. It says a warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high places and releases breakthrough, bringing down the strongholds of the mighty. Here's two things that wisdom will do for you. Watch this. Wisdom will elevate you, and wisdom will release breakthrough. Wisdom elevates you. It causes you to ascend to the heights. And, 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 and what that means, anytime a high place is mentioned in the scriptures, that means that he will take you to a place of authority. 
That's what it means, wisdom. That's why you build, and many uh, cities are built in high places because in old times, they were afraid of getting attacked by the enemy and there's a strategic vantage point from being high. You can see far. If the enemy has to work harder to get to you when you're in a high place. But here's what wisdom do. It takes you, you, from a low place and puts you in a high place. That's the beauty of wisdom. It will take you from a victim mentality to a victor mentality. Wisdom will bring you up. Uh, there's things. There are so many of us, and I've been here myself. Sometimes, even though I'm a Christian, it can seem as if a sin is ruling over me. It's dominating me. You know what? Wisdom, as you get a perspective and you apply the principles, it will allow you to rule over the sin that previously ruled over you. That's what it will do. It will place you over it instead of under it. That's the beauty of wisdom. It elevates you. Here's the second thing. It releases, it says, breakthrough and pulls down the strongholds of the mighty. This is the beautiful thing about wisdom is that when the principles are applied, it will cause you to break through, to break through the boundaries of the enemy to break through to new levels of intimacy in your marriage, to break through to new levels of increase in your finances and give you new platforms that previously weren't available to you because you didn't know the principles. It'll give you a bigger platform. Wisdom will release breakthroughs for you. I think often all you are, all I am away from another level in my walk with the Lord and and, and my, my influence is a principle that I don't yet know But when I discover it and apply it, it leads to a new level of breakthrough. That's the beauty and the power of wisdom. Now, what I want to do now, the reason I've set this whole thing up, is for the next few moments, I want to give you a story in the Bible where all of this truth comes into reality. And and I'm being obedient because often what happens is, it was on Monday or Tuesday at some point when a lot of the early meetings of the week are over. So planning services and planning the week and different things. I began in my heart and my mind in prayer time to begin to turn my heart to the people, to the message. God, what do you want to say? And you know, more often than not, I'll have a thought or an idea and sometimes I have nothing and I'm like, oh, Jesus, you better help me. But this story, believe it or not, guys, it wouldn't leave me. It was like it just consumed my mind. And I've learned to know that when something doesn't get out of my mind or my spirit, I know that that's the Lord highlighting something to me. So for whatever reason, this story is for somebody today. And it takes all these principles and puts it into a story so we can see it. And it's the story of Samson. If you don't know who Samson is, He's one of the judges of Israel. And if you have your scriptures, turn with me in Judges 16. We're going to put it on the screen here in a moment. But let me tell you the story of Samson. Samson probably had the greatest beginning outside of Jesus in scripture. His two parents were without child. And an angel comes and says, you're going to have a son. And he's going to be born to you. And you're going to name him Samson. And Samson means sunshine. Come on, somebody. What a name, sunshine. Because the people were living in a dark time, and God was bringing light to their darkness. So Samson is born. He will deliver his people, is what it says, from the Philistines. But there are three things that Samson must never do. 
It says that Samson must never drink or eat of the vine, meaning grapes. He can't drink wine. He can't eat the grape. Second, he must never shave his head. He has to have long hair. And thirdly, he must never touch anything that's dead. And his consecration to the Lord would determine the power of the Holy Spirit. If he follows the wisdom, then he experiences the power. And so he grows. And if you know his life, you know that he did miraculous things. In fact, the people would look at him. He looks like a normal person, it says, but he's doing incredible things. When the Spirit of God came on him, he ripped the gates of a city wall. He took the the, the jawbone of a donkey, and he, and he slayed thousands of the Philistines that were against him. He did so many miraculous things, and nothing they could do, the Philistines, could stop him. But then we find him at the end of his life, and I'm going to start at the end, and I'm going to show you when the power leaves him, and I'm going to go back and talk about the principle that was violated. So we see him at the end in a conversation, one of his many relationships that he had, but this one was the one that really took him out. It's with a, a person named Delilah, who was a Philistine, an enemy. And so what she begins to do, and ask him a series of questions about what the source of his power was. And in verse 17, here's what it says. It says, so he told her everything about the secret to his power. And he says, no razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite that means no wine, nothing touching, nothing dead, and my hair hasn't been cut. Dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. Oh, man. Notice that phrase. If you have that, you can highlight, highlight it. I would become as weak as any other man. In other words, what he's saying is that thing that sets me apart, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, if that leaves me, I'm just a normal man. And can I just tell you, when we anoint you with oil tonight, I believe that's the difference maker. I believe that. You, you listen, he will take your natural, all of your education, all of your abilities, but when he puts his hand on it through the person of the Holy Spirit, listen, it will make the difference in your life. It'll make the difference when you sing, It'll make the difference when you lead. It'll make the difference when you're in a meeting and a decision has to be made. And that morning you prayed and the spirit of wisdom comes on you in that meeting. Listen, it's not even fair when the Holy Spirit's on your life. Come on. It'll make a difference. So people are like, what is on you? How do you do all this? <laughs> it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Don't tell them. Don't tell them. Keep it to yourself. No, it's joking. But I love, I will be as weak as any other man. So he tells her. In the next verse, it says this, or a few verses down. So then she calls. She shaves his head, and then she calls, and the Philistines come, and they tie him all up. And she called, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And it says he woke from his sleep and listened to his first thought. I'll go out as before, and I'm shaking myself free. And listen to these words. I think these are the scariest words in the whole Bible. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Now listen to that. He lacked the ability to discern the presence of God on his life. He lost that somewhere in his life. It says this, he thought, I'm just going to go 
And it says the one time when they bound him with ropes, they melted like wax. They just, just fell right off. And they were like, he wasn't even bound. But he goes to do it as before. And it says, and the spirit had left him and he didn't even know it. He lost his ability to discern the mind and the presence of the Lord. He had violated the principles of wisdom. And now watch this. The power of the Holy Spirit had vacated off of his life. Now we know later on he would repent, his hair would grow again, and God would give him great, great victory. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other time. But let me take you back as we close to the beginning when he's a young man. This is 20 plus years before we get to the story of Delilah. His scripture says that Samson was on his way to see his girlfriend. Come on, somebody. Uh Uh-oh. And she was a Philistine woman. He's had no battles, no significant victories. He's just growing up. He's got this long hair. Come on, he's, he's in his prime right now. And he's going, now watch this. And this is a good principle here. He is falling in love with something that he's going to later have to confront. And that's a good warning right there. Don't fall in love with something that God is later going to ask you to confront because it violates the wisdom of God. So Samson is on his way, and it says he leaves the path, and he goes through a vineyard. Now here's a guy who can't touch the grape, can't eat or even drink wine, and he's walking through a vineyard. Now that's where a pastor, I say, hold up, wait a minute, some may write. It says while he's in the vineyard, a lion comes out of nowhere and pounces on him. And it says this, as quickly as the lion pounced, it says the spirit of God came upon Samson. And it says he took the mouth of the lion and broke its jaws. Kills the lion right there and throws it off to the side and goes down to the girlfriend's house and and tries to make arrangements to get married, comes back and then goes back a second time and the whole instance takes place while he's there. So this is a good time later. Guess what he does? He's walking home the second time. And as he's walking, the scripture says, I wonder what happened to that lion that I killed. And it says he turns aside and he, and he goes in Judges 14. It says sometime later, he went back to marry her and he turned aside. And watch this. It means he went off the path again to look at the lion's carcass. And in it, he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. Hello. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it as he went along. And when he joined his parents, he gave them some. And they too ate it. Now watch this. But he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. Wow. This is where I get the title, Stung by Some Honey. It wasn't the first lion that got Samson. It was the second one. He goes back to look again. You know, I found in life, it's not the first look that'll get you. It's the second look that'll get you. It's when you deviate off the path. Well, I'm just curious. I just wonder what it looks like. I'm just going to go over here and check this out for a little bit and see what's in that relationship. See what's in that conversation. See, just going to look down this a little bit. 
And it says he looked there, and in the dead lion, he sees some honey, and he reaches down. What's he never supposed to touch? Anything that's dead. And he eats it. Now, let me just say, one of the pictures of the enemy in the scriptures is the devil. Now, watch this. If he can't get you with a lion that attacks you straight up, he will hide something sweet in something that's dead. If he can't get you with the lion, he'll get you with the honey. Woo, pastor's preaching good now. Turn to your neighbor and say, watch out for that honey. So when it comes to this wisdom right here, remember I told you, this is the beginning when he gets off the path. It didn't show up till 20 years later. But remember, when you leave the pathways of wisdom, where does it take you? To dark realms, to dark spirits, to things that you used to rule over. Now they rule over you. See, it all became when he got off the path. He got off of wisdom's path. By varying degrees, he began to violate the principles of God's word. He began to lose the ability to see God's perspective. And it just showed up decades later. Here's the first thing. I'm gonna write, you should write these down. These aren't in your notes. This is free. God will never ask you to break a principle to bless your life. If you have to violate the principle to get it, it's not for you. The honey's not worth it. Now, here's the second thing. Sin will always taste sweet in the beginning and bitter in the end. Ooh, this is what Proverbs 5, 4 says. But I promise you this. In the end, on all you'll be left with is a bitter conscience, for the sting of your sin will pierce you like your soul like a sword. <clears throat> and thirdly is this. Just real simple wisdom here. It says, but he did not tell them that he had taken the honey from the lion's carcass. You know what I know about this is this, is what you can tell no one about is what's really running your life. That thing that you can't tell anybody about, that's the thing that really has control over you. That's it. So Proverbs, or Psalms 119 says that your word is sweet to me like honey. See, the wisdom of God is really about obedience. That's why it leads to power. That's why it leads to power. You know why the Spirit of God rested upon Jesus like no other human? It's because he obeyed like no other human. And the Spirit could rest upon him because there was no resistance. That's the beauty of wisdom. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as I close with this example. Man, we've gone a lot of places today in this wonderful little message. I'm going to give you one last verse that I think is important, and it's found in Corinthians. Let's go ahead and put this one on the screen. 1 Corinthians 1.24 says this, But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, now watch this. Here it is. Remember? Power and wisdom. Christ is the power of God, and he's the wisdom of God. Did you see that again? He is the power of God, and he's also the wisdom of God. Now, everybody look this way. This is important. If you hear anything, hear what I'm about to tell you. Jesus is a person, a power to encounter. And he is a wisdom, an ethic, a philosophy, a strategy to be followed. Sin is cyclical. 
You ever found that to be true? It always brings you back to the same places over and over again. The same places of pain. The promises that you said you'd never do again, but you always end up losing your temper again. The things that you never said you'd ever do and you thought you were free from, but all of a sudden, what does it always do, guys? Why did they wander in the wilderness for 40 years just visiting the same places over and over again? They couldn't go into the promised land, so they're just wandering in the wilderness. Sin is cyclical. They say that the only thing that will break you out of a cycle of sin, ready, is something with a greater power that you encounter. You have to have a power moment that pulls you out of the orbit and the power of that sin that breaks you out of its control and its power. They say that when a rocket leaves the Earth's atmosphere, 75% of its fuel is spent just breaking through the gravitational pull of the Earth's atmosphere. It takes a lot of power to break out of the pool, the gravity of sin. But Jesus, get this, is the power of God. And there's no cycle of sin that he can't break you out of. In him is hidden the power of God. He'll break you out. But watch this. So you get out. How many have ever experienced this? You get out. You've been saved. You've had this awesome moment. You're clean. You're forgiven. You've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's awesome. And then all of a sudden, a couple months later, it's like, I'm sucked right back into that thing. Ever been there before? Don't raise your hand. Just nod your head. Mm -hmm. You with me? I've been there. So Jesus has to be more than a power that breaks you out. Because if, if sin is cyclical, watch this, righteousness is linear. Righteousness has paths and step. Wisdom leads you on paths of righteousness. So what happens is Jesus breaks you out, but by his wisdom, when you apply it, the principles, guess what he does? He keeps you out of it. That's it. That's beautiful, right? So therefore, he both has to be a power and he has to be wisdom that you apply and that you walk out and away from the things that used to held you captive. How many of you are grateful that he's the power and the wisdom of God? Amen. Let's stand as we close. I want you to put your hands out in front of you, palms up. Got plenty of time today. I'm going to let you just have a moment. If you can, stand. Please stand. If not, no worries. Just put your hands out in front of your palms up. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Stone Creek services have three parts. We have a, a worship part, the word part, and now the prayer part. And what I want you just to begin to do, first of all, I'm going to speak to the, the person who's yet to be in Christ. The wisest thing you could ever do is submit to the wisdom of Jesus. He is the provision of your salvation, Jesus. And if you want to say yes to the wisdom of God and begin to get his mindset on your life, just humble yourself and say, I get on the path of wisdom now. I turn to you, Jesus. Save me. I surrender my life to you. You are the power and the wisdom of God. You have the power to save me and to cleanse me and to make me whole. If that's you, just begin to invite Jesus into your life. 
prayer surrendering prayer and invite prayer. And let's just have the volume just turn up just a little bit if we can. Now here's what I want you to do. Now I'm going to speak to the Christian in this room. I've got a couple of ways we're going to do this. I just want you, right where you're there, would you just enter into the presence of the Lord? Just begin to say, Lord, I draw near to you. I welcome you. Let the affections of your heart be made known. I love you, Jesus. There's none like you. I'm hungry for you. I'm thirsty for you. Come on, would you express your desire for Jesus? I come into your presence, Lord. You have everything that I need. I focus on you right now. Come on, don't be in a hurry. Enter into the presence of the Lord. This is how, what you need right now. If you just do this little bit right here, it's going to change your week. Now I want you just to pause right now and with your words, just give him thanksgiving. Would you do that? The Bible says we enter his gates with thanksgiving. Just tell the Lord, Lord, thank you. It's been a week since we've done this. What, what, what has he done this last week for you? Thank him. Thank him for his word, his Holy Spirit, for saving you, for the people next to you. Thank him for something. Just I praise you. I praise you, Lord. Even if you just say his name, that's enough right here. Come on, you're praying right now. You didn't know you knew how to pray, but you're doing it. The riches of his wisdom that he has are now coming to you. His mercy is coming to you right now as you pray. He said, let us boldly come to the throne of grace by praying. You're, you're coming before all that God has right now, Christian. And right where you're at now, I just want you to ask him to fill you right now with his Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me with your wisdom. Come on, ask him. We've done this every week. Ask for the spirit of wisdom now. It's the gift of wisdom. Fill me with your perspective, Lord. Give me the principles. Oh, yeah, that's it. If you've wandered off the path, come on, just right here, right now, just say, Lord, I've wandered. I, you know the principles you violated. Just say, Lord, I get right back on it right now. I humble myself, Lord. I get on the path of wisdom. Just tell them, I get back on it today, Lord. That's it. Now, I want you just to ask. It says that where wisdom is built in his house, in the house of wisdom is the oil of the Spirit. Would you just invite wisdom into your life and, and invite it into your marriage now? Ask for his head. Lord, I need your wisdom in my marriage. Whatever you want wisdom to touch, invite it now. I want wisdom in my business, in my classroom. I want wisdom, Lord, in my neighborhood gathering. I want wisdom in my life, my children, in my church, Lord. I need wisdom right here. Ask him for breakthrough now. Come on. He, he turns you into a warrior right now. Ask him to elevate you, take you to a high place. Would you do that right now? Say, Lord, in your wisdom, take me to a high place. Let me have a victor mentality. Take me a high place, O oh Lord. Let me rule over sin. Let it not rule over me. Come on, ask him to give you a breakthrough this year. Lord, let me have a breakthrough right now in my finances. 
a breakthrough in my relationships, a breakthrough. Where do you want wisdom breakthrough? Ask him for it right now. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, that's it. And now as we close, come on, would you just lift your hands all the way up to the Lord now as we close? And I'm going to ask you in a normal voice, you know how we do this, just normal out, just a normal voice, but with a worshipful heart. Before we sing the words on the screen, come on, some of you know you've been Christians for a long time and this is, you, this is your home church. You know what we're about to do. Can we just in a normal voice lift our voices and in your words begin to worship the Lord? Would you do that unashamedly in this place? Come on, you, would you do it right now? If all you do is just sing his name, would you sing a word? He's holy. He's magnificent. He's great. Come on, would you do that? He's glorious. If you want to do it in a known language or a heavenly language right now, just do that. Come on, let's just worship him right now. The Bible says in an atmosphere of worship, he gives me riddles with answers. He gives me the answers. Just worship the Lord. That's when wisdom will come to you in an atmosphere of worship. Lord, I just lift you up right now. That's it. And come on, just say his name. Just worship him just a little bit. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Come on, let's sing these words. Your name. Come on, just declare it right now. Maybe you were silent before, but sing it now. Come on. 